Because Jesus believes that the Bible is the word of God, and Jesus himself is God, for one to be consistent in their worldview, they must also believe that the Bible is the word of God. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Apologist Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and this will be the first episode in a three-part series labeled Truths to Prevent Deconstruction. Now, if you're unaware what deconstruction is, an article published by the Christian website Got Questions provides an excellent description of this term. The website notes that deconstruction is the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. This is an application of deconstructionism, an approach that claims to disassemble beliefs or ideas while assuming their meanings are inherently subjective. Both the trend and its title reflect backlash against the unfortunate habit within some religious circles to downplay deep questions and ignore those who hold them. To openly investigate the nuances of belief, even changing one's convictions, is a biblical concept. In practice, though, deconstruction almost always acts as a polite cover for demolition. Modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personally popular ideas. I like that this description acknowledges that it is good to deal with questions in an honest manner, as the Bible commands Christians to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, and encourages us to search the scriptures daily. Christians should not fear the evidence because the evidence overwhelmingly supports Christianity. Recall that Jesus stated that the truth shall make you free. The issue with deconstruction is that instead of relying on objective truth to wrestle with any doubts and questions concerning the Christian faith, deconstructionists usually rely on subjective, emotional responses to guide their decisions, which ultimately results in them forsaking Christianity. Of course, following feelings rather than facts is not the correct way to establish truth. So even though deconstructionists usually claim that they have sincerely examined Christianity and ended up forsaking its fundamental teachings, as the quote from Got Questions correctly noted, deconstruction almost always acts as a polite cover for demolition. Modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personally popular ideas. And so deconstructionists usually will forsake fundamental beliefs such as the deity of Jesus, the inspiration of the Bible, the creation account in Genesis, the nature of hell as taught in the Bible, the nature of sin as taught in the Bible, and so on. Those who have deconstructed Christianity yet are too afraid to completely forsake the faith altogether, 
usually end up becoming part of the false religion known as progressive Christianity, which is a religion full of errors, contradictions, and straight-up antichrist ideas about Jesus and the Bible. In this three-part series, we are going to talk about three fundamental doctrines that, if properly understood and submitted to, will prevent any chance of deconstruction. While the other two episodes will deal with the topics of biblical inerrancy and biblical authority, I wanted to start this series with the topic of biblical inspiration, because I believe that a proper understanding of biblical inspiration will naturally lead to a correct view of inerrancy and authority. Put simply, biblical inspiration is the belief that the Bible is inspired by God. Some people use the phrase dual authorship of the Bible to convey the fact that God used mankind to get his word down in print. So, even though men physically wrote the Bible, the true author of the Bible is God. We are going to start by briefly reviewing how the biblical authors viewed their writings and how we can be confident that the Bible is inspired by God. Next, we are going to look at the means by which God inspired the biblical authors and to what degree he inspired them. Then, we'll end the episode by discussing how God's inspiration of the Bible relates to its inerrancy and authority. It is obvious that the authors of the Bible believed their writings were inspired by God and that they believed each other's writings were also inspired by God. For example, 2 Timothy 3.16 explains that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. 2 Peter 1.21 also states that concerning the Old Testament, prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. These two New Testament passages undeniably state that God played a role in the formation of the Bible. Furthermore, the Old Testament authors clearly believed they were inspired by God because they constantly speak on God's behalf, stating phrases like, Thus saith the Lord, or The word of the Lord came to me and said. And an interesting side note is that in the New Testament, Peter refers to the writings of Paul as scripture in 2 Peter 3.16, and Paul refers to both the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy and the New Testament book of Luke as scripture in 1 Timothy 5.18. So, the men who wrote the Bible claim that the writings are inspired by God. The next question is, why should one believe that claim? After all, there are other religious writings which also claim to have been divinely inspired. As far as the raw evidence is concerned, I believe that out of all the arguments which support the Bible as being inspired by God, there are two arguments that are particularly strong. The first argument is to demonstrate that the Bible is of supernatural origin due to its ability to consistently and accurately 
predict the future. We covered this in depth on the very first episode of this podcast, so if you have not listened to that yet, then I highly recommend that you do. This argument can be summarized by the following four steps. 1. Establish that because God is the only eternal being, He alone exists outside of time and therefore knows everything that will happen in the future. 2. Explain that it is a historical fact that all 39 books of the Old Testament were written down hundreds of years before Jesus was born, as proven by the Septuagint and the Dead Sea Scrolls. 3. Show that there are multiple passages in the Old Testament that predicted specific details of Jesus' life centuries before his birth, including that he would be born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, have his hands and feet pierced, die specifically on the Passover of the year 33 AD, be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, etc. 4. Cite the work of mathematician Peter Stoner, which demonstrates that the odds of any one man fulfilling just eight of the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament are one in ten to the seventeenth power, which is the statistical equivalent of covering the entire state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars, marking just one silver dollar with an X, and betting that a blind man would wander around the entire state and just so happen to pick up the one silver dollar that you marked on his very first try. This argument shows that statistically, it is downright absurd to believe that the Bible is not inspired by God because there is no way that the authors of the Old Testament would have accurately predicted all of these intimate details of Jesus' life centuries before his birth by their own wisdom. To overcome a chance this mathematically impossible, the only valid explanation is that the Old Testament authors were inspired by God while they wrote down scripture. The second strong argument in favor of biblical inspiration is to note that given the evidence for the historicity of Christ, the resurrection, the reliability of the New Testament, and the reason why the New Testament authors wrote what they did, it is significantly more rational to accept Jesus' claim that he is God rather than to deny his claim. Once the deity of Jesus is established, it naturally follows that he is without error in his statements. When Jesus cited the Old Testament, he referred to it as the Word of God in Mark 7.13 and the scripture that cannot be broken in John 10.35. Because Jesus believes that the Bible is the Word of God and Jesus himself is God, for one to be consistent in their worldview, they must also believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It should be noted that this specific line of reasoning applies best to people who already claim to be Christian, since one must accept the deity of Christ in order to accept this argument. Hence, if you are talking with an unbeliever, it would be beneficial to provide sufficient information on the topics mentioned earlier, such as the reliability of the New Testament, 
evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, etc., before pointing out Jesus' view on the Bible. Now that we've briefly looked at the arguments as to why the Bible is inspired by God, the next question is, how exactly did God inspire the Bible, and to what degree? In his book titled Christian Theology, theologian Miller J. Erickson explains five different theories of biblical inspiration, which are 1. The Intuition Theory which states that inspiration is the functioning of a high gift, perhaps almost like an artistic ability, but nonetheless a natural endowment. Inspiration of the scripture writers was essentially no different from that of other great religious and philosophical thinkers, such as Plato and Buddha. The Bible, then, is great religious literature reflecting the Hebrew people's spiritual experiences. 2. The Illumination Theory, which states that there is no special communication of truth or guidance in what is written, but merely an increased sensitivity and perceptivity with regard to spiritual matters. It is similar to the effect of stimulants students sometimes take to heighten their awareness or amplify the mental processes. 3. The Dynamic Theory which states that the Spirit of God works by directing the writer to the thoughts or concepts and allowing the writer's own distinctive personality to come into play in the choice of words and expressions. So basically, the dynamic theory says that God places his thoughts in the author's mind and then they write them down by choosing their own words. 4. The Verbal Theory which states that the Holy Spirit's influence extends beyond the direction of thoughts to the selection of words used to convey the message. The work of the Holy Spirit is so intense that each word is the exact word God wants used at that point to express the message. And 5. The Dictation Theory which states that God verbally and audibly told the biblical authors exactly what to write. Passages where the Spirit is depicted as telling the author precisely what to write are regarded as applying to the entire Bible, according to the dictation theory. So, of these five theories listed, I believe the theory of verbal inspiration is the correct choice, and here's why. First, I propose that if somebody claims to be Christian, then in order to be consistent in their beliefs, they must believe that every single word of scripture is inspired by God because this degree of inspiration is strongly implied by Jesus. Jesus stated in Matthew 24:35 that heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away. Because Jesus is God and he labeled the Bible as the word of God in Mark 7.13, he obviously understands the entire Bible to be his word. Jesus' statement that his words shall not pass away reflects a very strict view of biblical inspiration because it acknowledges that every word of God will be established for all of time. 
it naturally follows that if God will preserve his words for eternity, then of course he chose each individual word that was placed in the Bible. Jesus expresses an even more extreme view of inspiration before his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, when he states that, Until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Jesus is referring to the Old Testament here when he says the law, and notice that he says every jot and tittle will be accomplished. The phrase jot and tittle would be equivalent to us saying crossing every T and dotting every I in English. So Jesus is demonstrating a full respect for not only every word of the Bible, but every individual letter also. Hence, if someone claims to be Christian, yet does not share Jesus' view of the inspiration of the Bible, then there is a major inconsistency in their beliefs which needs to be corrected. Aside from the words of Jesus in the Gospels, we also have the New Testament text of 2 Timothy 3.16, as mentioned earlier. 2 Timothy 3.16 specifically states that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word all denotes a universal scope, which would mean that every individual letter of every individual word of the Bible is inspired. Because the Bible teaches such a strict view of inspiration, the intuition theory, illumination theory, and dynamic theory of inspiration all fail because they do not claim that every word in the Bible is inspired by God. Believing that God inspired only the thoughts of the biblical authors, but not the words they wrote, or believing that the biblical authors were simply wise religious gurus that wrote from their own human wisdom, is inconsistent with the teachings of Jesus and the biblical authors themselves. Furthermore, one faces a logical dilemma if they do not believe that God inspired every word in the Bible, which is, how do you know what words are inspired by God and what words are not? The obvious answer to this question is that if God did not inspire every word of the Bible, then there is no legitimate, consistent test one could apply to the text to determine which words are inspired and which are not. This would naturally result in inspirational anarchy, where it would be impossible to distinguish between the words of God and the words of man. Therefore, of the five possible theories of inspiration that Erickson listed, only the verbal theory of inspiration and the dictation theory of inspiration are plausible. Recall that the verbal theory of inspiration states that God put his very words in the minds of the biblical authors, while the dictation theory asserts that God audibly spoke his words to the authors. The reason I choose the verbal theory over the dictation theory is primarily because of 2 Peter 1 verses 20-21, which state that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, 
but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The language here conveys that the Spirit of God had a physical and mental effect on the prophets to the point where they were moved to communicate his word. God inspired their very being to ensure that they accurately conveyed his exact words, which is what the verbal theory says. Another reason why I don't accept the dictation theory is because the Bible seems to make a special point when God audibly talks to the biblical author, which implies that the author is not literally hearing the words of God as he wrote down his entire work. For example, when Moses records his encounter with God in the burning bush in Exodus 3, he writes that God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. Also think of the instance in 1 Samuel 3 when God audibly calls out to Samuel in the night and Samuel responds to God because he's unaware whose voice it is. So there it's depicted that God is audibly talking to Samuel. And because the Bible seems to make a special point when God audibly talks, I think that this implies that God did not audibly speak every word to the biblical authors, but rather he inspired their mental and physical being to produce his exact words. Furthermore, the verbal theory seems to guarantee that the biblical authors correctly communicated God's words because God used their body as a tool when he inspired them. Regardless of exactly how God communicated his word to the biblical authors, as long as one believes that every individual word of the biblical author's writings are inspired, then I would say that this is correct, because this appears to be the view expressed by the biblical authors and by Jesus. Now, we mentioned the false religion of progressive Christianity earlier, which is basically nothing more than a watered-down joke of a religion that labels itself as Christian yet is full of contradictions and antichrist ideas. Though progressive Christianity comes in various forms, it typically denies God's inspiration of the Bible. As we've seen from this episode, it's ridiculous for one to even call themselves a Christian if they deny biblical inspiration, but like wolves masquerading as sheep, proponents of progressive Christianity have unfortunately had a noticeable influence in our culture. Of the five views of inspiration mentioned by Erickson that we looked over earlier, a progressive Christian would likely believe in one of the two most liberal views mentioned, which are the intuition theory and the illumination theory. Recall that the intuition theory claims God really did not have any involvement in the creation of the Bible whatsoever, while the Illumination Theory states that God only inspired the Bible to the bare minimum degree, and that saying the Bible is inspired by God is the equivalent to a modern-day Christian saying that God inspired them to write a particular book or something like that. This is obviously an extremely weak view of inspiration and was not held by Jesus or the Apostles. 
So, before ending this episode, I want to recap three reasons why believing in biblical inspiration is foundational to Christianity. 1. If someone thinks that the Bible was just written by men and that it is wrong when it says that it is inspired by God, then there is no reason to trust anything else the Bible says. If someone has no basis for trusting what the Bible says, then they have no reason to trust what it says about Jesus, and therefore they have no logical reason to be a Christian. 2. Since by definition a Christian is someone who believes Jesus is God, if they disagree with Jesus' view that the Bible is inspired by God, then they are only left with two options, which are 1. Jesus was wrong, or 2. Jesus lied. Both options would disagree with Jesus' divine nature, and therefore, one cannot logically claim to be a Christian if they deny biblical inspiration. 3. Properly understanding biblical inspiration is essential for one to also hold correct views of biblical inerrancy and biblical authority, which will be the topics of our next two episodes. And thank you all so much for listening. Uh, As I already mentioned, in the next episode, we will look at the topic of biblical inerrancy, which has to do with the Bible being 100% true and therefore free from any errors. This episode will be a fun one and a bit more complex than you might think, so I encourage you to tune in next time. But that's all we have time for in this episode. I pray you have a great rest of your day. Bye.